a fabringen in Yiddish a term meaning a joyous gathering, but it's really so much more. It's insight, it's inspiration, it's the bottom line. Join Rabbi Levi Avtson Tuesdays at 1 p.m. for the Fabringen, only on 101.9 High FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avtson, and we are figuring out technology. One thing I've learned. That technology is awesome, but could drive you absolutely crazy. So it's a privilege and an honor to be able to actually talk to you. And hopefully this time it will work. And of course, because it's the month of Adar, the month of joy and the month of topsy-turvy, everything's upside down. So the technology also has to be a bit upside down. And that's part of the fun. I think one of the things that technology has taken away from us is patience. Um because when it works, it works so smoothly. So when it doesn't work, it absolutely drives us bananas. I was yesterday getting a, you know, a piece of technology and things were getting delayed and things were a bit dragged out. And at some stage, the person tells me, oof, we need patience. And I was like, yeah, like you're buying technology and it takes two hours to facilitate the whole thing. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, technology is supposed to take five seconds to buy, five seconds to install. And um, I think we've lost something beautiful in that process with the quickness of everything. And that is the ability to actually process, process life. And that's what we try to do at the Fabring and every Tuesday from one to two is we try to process life together because you know, I've always said that for me the Fabringen show is, is not necessarily a sheer, it's not giving over material as rather starting a conversation, pushing the buttons a bit, a bit controversial, just stimulating a few thoughts. So to make sense of what's going on, you know, very often it's easy to make sense in hindsight. It's actually so easy to make sense of hindsight. You go in history and you start thinking, what were those people thinking? Why did they allow that to happen? So whether it's the holiday of Purim, which is coming up, and you ask yourself, what? How did the Jews allow themselves to get into this mess? Didn't they see the process? Didn't they see things falling apart when they were invited to Ahasuerus' party? Didn't they see the ramifications? of? But that's not how human beings are. And that's not what we're judged for. Hashem doesn't judge us in hindsight. Hashem judges us, as it says in the Torah, wherever we're at. In other words, in five years' time, we'll be able to look back at the time of COVID and say, we should have, we could have. And it will make so much sense. Really, didn't we see it? Like, I am sure there'll be so many epiphanies, so much clarity about the time we're living in now, that now we have no clue what it will even be. But in five years' time, we'll be like, wow, that was so obvious. Didn't we see it? That that was the call of the hour, that that's what it's there to do? Maybe, maybe not. Not necessarily. Because that's not the way Hashem asks us to live. He doesn't ask us to live in hindsight. He asks us to live where we're at. And where we're at is a is all that matters, but it's a tough spot because... You could only make decisions with the information you have. And you try to do the best you can. And in the moment, we have impulses. In the moment, we have weaknesses. 
you know, how many times have you stood at a funeral and they've said, nobody said at their funeral if only I spent more time at their office? How many times have you heard that? And how many people have been convinced by that? So I'm going to argue very few. Why? Because it's easy. You're standing at a cemetery. It's, it's hard, obviously, to stand at a cemetery, but I'm saying it's easy to feel that deep sense of clarity. I get it. I totally get it. It makes so much sense what you're talking about. Wow. But it doesn't last because most of us, thank God, are, 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 you know, are not at death's bed at this moment. We feel like we're going to live forever. And it's hard to have that clarity every single day. And Hashem doesn't ask us to live with the clarity of the last day of life every single day. Yes, the Torah tells us, you should do tshuva, you should return to Hashem one day before you die. And obviously that day is every day because you never know when the last day is. But nevertheless, Hashem doesn't ask us to live with anything else than where we're at. The mood that we woke up in today, the headspace we're in today, the challenges we're facing today, the idiosyncrasies that are going to come our way today, each day with its own multifaceted universe. It's like almost each day is like a, a whole universe for us. And Hashem says, okay, shine there now and process your life now. So that's what we try to do here, especially, you know, during COVID, is try to make some sense of what we're living through, what the messages could possibly be, and how to keep on fighting, how to, you know, find the inner strength to fight another day, to fight another month, to fight another week. So together I want to explore with you um, some lessons we could learn I want to share with you a lesson I've learned from a wonderful Jew who just passed away this week, um, who I knew personally, an elder, an elder Jew, but with an incredible life story. And I want to share some lessons we can learn from the month of Adar, and hopefully together we can find meaning for today, because that's all we're asked to do, to find meaning for today. I often wonder, like, you know, when we listen to recordings, um, of something that already was. Can you actually find as much meaning, something that was pre-recorded, as something that is now? Good question, but all I can say is that we're here for today. Today is 16th of February, the 4th of Adar, and Hashem says, okay, find meaning now, because today is all that matters. Now is all that matters. This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Yafsen, and this is the Fabringen on Chai FM. Thank you. 
101.9 megahertz of life. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. How is that beautiful music from Hanan Ben-Ari? What do you want from me? A magnificent uh, song. So as mentioned, I want to share some messages that are resonating, especially in this time. I heard a story this morning that has really taken over my day. It's a very small story, and maybe had I heard in a different time, it wouldn't resonate as deeply as it did. But here it is. So earlier this week, on Shabbos actually, a Jew by the name of Rabbi Gershon Mendel Gorelick passed away. He was 88 years old, and he was born in the former Soviet Union, eventually came to the United States, and then spent the last 60 years as um, the main Chabad, the head Chabad emissary to Italy and a mentor and teacher to thousands. I personally spent a year in Italy, so I got to meet him and his good wife up close. And 
just the ultimate character, witty, wise, sincere, and impulsive, you know, joyous, the whole package, and with a smile that could melt mountains. And, you know, so people were sharing various memories of him in the past few days, and that's one of the beautiful things of WhatsApp is that you could join a community. Like the moment he passed away, there was various WhatsApp groups that opened to talk about and to share stories. So this is a one story that uh, somebody I know shared that happened with him directly. He says one time he was sitting with Rabbi Gershon Mendel Gorelick. He was sitting Farbringen. What we're trying to do now, obviously, at a much better quality. Rabbi Gershon Mendel was a legend when it came to Farbringen. Sit and discuss and be real. And he was sitting with a small group of guys and they're talking. And suddenly he starts sharing a memory. And it's that one memory that literally consumed him for the whole night. And here's the way the story goes. I'm going to try to stay as accurate as possible to the facts. It says like this. It says he grew up in the former Soviet Union. So um, when he was a young child, it was obviously during the communist regime. It was po- poverty everywhere. It was difficult life everywhere. And one time as a child, he was given a small job. And that is to bring milk to a baby. Basically, this baby's mother couldn't nurse him, so somebody else volunteered, and he had to deliver the milk to this baby. And he shares like this. This is the whole story. As he's walking, the cup, the cup falls, and everything spills. Now he's sharing the story 60 years later, 70 years later. And he sobbed the whole night. Sobbed and cried the whole night. That a baby half a century ago didn't have milk to drink. That was this character. That was Dr. Shemendel. And you might say, come on, move on. You know, if you start playing psychology with such a story, God knows where it will take you. But it resonated so deeply because here was a Jew living in the former Soviet Union with poverty all around, with death all around. I mean, Stalin starved millions of people in the 30s. The communist Russia was a hell on earth, unfortunately very personal to me and my family. My mother was born there. All my grandparents lived there. One one of my grandparents suffered in the gulag. The other ones suffered endlessly in the hands of the Soviets. I've always said that the Holocaust was so such a tragedy that it kind of covered over the other tragedies of the 20th century. But World War One was a huge tragedy, the biggest war until World War Two. And so was the 70 years of communism, a unbelievable tragedy for millions of people, hundreds of millions of people, especially, particularly to the Jewish people, to the Jewish community. So here's a guy who's 
living through ultimate pain and seeing so much suffering, but still does not lose the sensitivity for one baby who couldn't get milk that day. So you know, we're living in a time now, it's a year since COVID, right after Purim last year is when we shut our shoals and Purim is 10 days away. So we're literally, we're, we're at, at least from a Hebrew calendar, we're pretty much at the milestone of a year in this. <clears throat> I believe Purim was the last time we used the shul. So after a year of seeing so much pain, so much suffering, so much death, what tends to happen is we become numb. We become numb to somebody else's pain. We become numb to our own pain. Just fight for another day. And the story, when it hit me this morning, when I heard the story this morning, it just reminded me so powerfully to never lose sensitivity, to still care about the individual. When a person becomes so numb that they don't think of the pain of an individual, or if a person becomes so powerful and famous that the end justifies the means and the the single individual doesn't matter and all they can think about is big numbers, they've lost the plot. Truly lost the plot. I've said it often, and I truly believe it. Often people say, how can God care about my details? How could God care about what I ate today, if I, how I kept Shabbos, if I treated my neighbor well. I mean, seriously, you know, he has a big world to run. How can a big God care about small details? But the truth is, only a big God could, could care about details. A small person, a small being, doesn't care about small things. They start getting so excited, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm the king, I'm running this world. Details don't matter. When a person becomes so big that details don't matter, then they're not big, they're small indeed. If a parent becomes so intoxicated with whatever success they have in their career that they cannot appreciate their two-year-old's painting, because come on, seriously, you know, I deal with real art or they cannot appreciate helping at home, taking out the garbage or washing a dish, because what do you mean? I've made it in life. I'm big. You're not big. You're tiny. Tiny. So that argument that says a great God can't care about details is fundamentally flawed. And trying to explain it, that what do you mean? Of course he cares about details. No, what do you mean? If God is great as you say, then he cares about details because that's what great, that's what greatness is. That's what greatness is. Humility is. Find me a leader that's worth admiring that didn't focus on people, on the individuals, then they're not worth admiring. Any great person, you'll always find them caring about the individual as much as they care about the masses. And that's such an important message that we're living in now. To remember that, you know, you could see the big picture. You could see billions of people suffering in different ways. Challenge of COVID, the vaccines, the death. You could just get lost in numbers. 
and just think, okay, so you hear another, about another old man, another old woman who's feeling lonely, and you're like, okay, whatever. I mean, there's hundreds of millions of older people feeling lonely. So what? But that's not greatness. That's pettiness. That person is suffering. And that person needs our love. And that person needs our love package. You know, just to drop something off of their home or a phone call. We can't be so big that individuals don't matter. And often you find that that's why successful people, so-called successful people, cannot hold on to a marriage or not hold on to their humble lives because they start taking themselves so seriously, whether it's a politician or super wealthy, etc. Not always. There's many people who do stay grounded, but very often they don't because what do you mean? At work, I have hundreds of people at my beck and call and I come home and I have to deal with my spouse and they're quetching or deal with my child. I don't have time for this. I have, I have bigger things. I'm a big person, right? I'm a big person. I don't have time for small things. I don't have time for marriage. I don't have time to listen to somebody else's feelings because I'm big. That's not big. It's tiny. Tiny. And often, that's one of the greatest barometers of seeing the character of a person. When you meet somebody who's so-called famous and popular, can they give you attention as an individual or do they just look down at you and make you feel insignificant. And I've had many experiences with different people. Sometimes you meet somebody you've admired from far, whether it's a speaker, a thinker, a singer, whatever, somebody like, you know, some some form of celeb. You meet them and sometimes you're like, wow, you know, you really are worthy of respect. There's something about you. And all too often you meet somebody and you're like, I wish I never met you because it was so much easier to admire you without meeting you. Uh, you know, and I lose esteem the more I meet that person. And often it is because you meet the person and they actually start believing what people tell them about them. They actually start believing that they're great. What do you mean? Everyone tells me I'm great. Oh, I'm so popular. Everyone tells me I'm popular. And then they start convincing themselves. They start walking around with an elitist attitude. Heaven forbid. Heaven forbid. And the small little story I shared with you about Rabbi Gershon Mendel, you know, he was an individual I knew. I spent a year with him. I remember walking with him up, uh, Friday nights, long walks together. And he was a person, although he'd accomplished a lot in his life and was a leader of big institutions, he just found time and headspace to talk to a teenager. Just chit-chat, no agenda, not there to influence, just to be a friend. And for me, that, that, that is greatness. That is greatness. And you see this very much in the Purim story that we're coming into. Mordechai, leader of the Jewish people, what does he do when it's Haman, Haman is threatening to kill all the Jewish people? Do you think he's only sitting and meeting politicians? He does, he does talk to Esther and make sure that she goes and beseeches the king. But what's he doing at the day that the decree is being announced and the day that things are so hectic? He's studying with kids, studying with kids, Torah. 
But what do you mean? Mordechai, you're the leader of the Jewish people. You don't have the time to be a teacher in a school. You're big. You're great. And this is something Lubavitcher Rebbe used to sit on this idea a lot, especially when it came Purim time. He says, Mordechai could be the leader of the Jewish people, but ultimately he goes and sits with Jewish children because that's what leaders do. If you're too big to be with a child, you're not big. If you're too sophisticated to appreciate simplicity, you're not sophisticated. And this message, especially in this time, the ability to feel for another, is such a powerful message. And that leads me into this advert. They are there for us in the very worst of times. They step in to assist us when life has stopped. They are the cemetery workers, the men and women of the Hever Kaddish, Jewish Helping Hand of Burial Society. Over the last year, their service was more essential than ever. They are the unsung heroes, and we want to change that. Zayin Adar, which is three days from now, is the day on which the community traditionally acknowledges and appreciates the service of our cemetery workers. This year, you can help honor these heroes by sending them happiness in the box, Shabbat meals, and gifts for the Shabbos of 19th of February, the Shabbos of Zayin Adar. Honor our heroes by sponsoring a box or part of a box. For details, get to our website, www.chayfm.com. Honor our heroes is a Chayfm community initiative and as a rabbi who unfortunately has seen these people in action. This is exactly what we've been talking about. These are people that stand there day in and day out for years and doing work that maybe for us we don't even realize its significance. Oh yeah, whatever, it just happens. But if you're too big to notice, you're not big at all. This is 101.9 High FM. High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. Just before the break, we were talking about the ability of never becoming too big for small people, or rather to realize that small people are truly big, and what we think is big is often actually small. One of my favorite quotes from the Talmud is about the sage who had an out-of-body experience, near-death experience, and when he comes back, he's asked, what did you see there? What did you see when you went up to heaven? He says, Olam hafukhreiti. I saw an upside down world. He says, What do you mean you saw an upside down world? What was upside down about it? He says, El yainim lamata tachtainim lamata. Tachtainim lamayla. He says, I saw a world which is upside down. Where people in this world were on top. Over there, they're not necessarily on top. They might be on the bottom. And the people who were not necessarily prestigious here, not necessarily respected, up there, they were deeply admired. We often forget what matters and what doesn't matter. In this world, we celebrate success. Look at what the person made. 
But as the student, the son of Rabbi Yeshua reminds us, because this is who it happened with, it happened with the son of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, who his father then asked him what happened, what did he see, and he saw the upside down world. What the story reminds us so vividly is, don't ask yourself what society puts on a pedestal. Ask yourself what Hashem puts on a pedestal. And just that question itself is such a realignment. Do you really think Hashem cares about status? God cares about status, really? Do you really think He cares about what they say about you in newspapers? How many likes you get on Facebook? Instagram, forwarding, how many retweets you get? Do you really, really think that that's what God cares about? I'm talking to myself, obviously. Sometimes it's so important to, to ask ourselves, what does Hashem see? What's His perspective? And obviously we can never know ultimately, but certain things we can know what God doesn't appreciate. If we don't know who God is, we could definitely know what He isn't. And one of the things God definitely isn't is petty and status sensitive. She doesn't see things that, that way. Do you really think he respects a big, powerful politician or business owner more than a volunteer for a kindness, a chesed organization who dedicates every week hours to pack packets for somebody else or to deliver a meal or to drive a cancer patient to the hospital? Do you really think that Hashem sees one as more vital than the other? We're fooled. We are so fooled by this world and why it calls us, what it calls success. We raise our kids to do well so that they could be so-called successful. And obviously there's nothing wrong. May everybody have all the money they need. May everybody have success in their finances and success in every area of their life. But ultimately, is that, is that the perspective? It's a nice bonus. I often ask parents, if you were given a choice, obviously very rarely are choices so, you know, black and white. But if you were given a choice that your kid's going to be a solid mensch, a kind, gentle soul, but earning a very, very small salary and struggling for the entire life, or your child is super, super wealthy and super successful, but their character leaves a lot to be desired, which one would you choose? As I said, rarely are choices so, you know, so simplistic or, or mutually exclusive. But I think that exercise is an important exercise because it very much sits at the heart of how we're raising our kids. What do we want of them more than anything else? Success or character? Can they come together? Yes. But only if character comes first. Success is a nice building on top of character, but character has to be the foundation. Values has to be the foundation. But if you build an entire building and there's no foundation, and that the person's walking around, oh, look how successful I am, look what I've made in life, you have to ask yourself, really? Really? It's so important for us in this time of COVID to remember what really, really matters and to never become bored or tired of kindness. 
yes, it's again another week and another week delivering another meal, another meal. It kind of feels repetitious. It feels deja vu. It feels like we're not moving anywhere. It's just the same story over and over. Call this person, ask how they're feeling, listen to this sob story, help this person, think of that individual, send a nice message. They got to be more. But there's a great statement, a Hasidic statement, that says, in the name of the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of the Hasidic movement, who says that a soul, in other words, a person, can come into this world for an entire lifetime with one purpose, just to do a favor for another. In other words, that person might be thinking that they came into this world to change the world, they are going to be the one with the big epiphany. They're going to write the new self-help book and discover the new idea that nobody thought of. That's another pet peeve of mine, how each person with a great idea suddenly discovers the ultimate and starts walking around as if they're the savior. But that's a topic for another time. You have a good idea, fine, share your good idea. It's a good idea. I mean, you know, we all have good ideas and we all have bad ideas, but don't try to sell it as like, you have this idea and all your marriage issues are going to be solved. You have this idea and all your financial is like, give me a break. So we, many of us walk around thinking like, I was brought into this world to do big stuff, big, huge stuff. And the Baal reminds us, take it easy, take it easy. On the contrary, the big stuff is a nice bonus. You know why you were here? To help another person, to be kind. That WhatsApp that you sent to the person at the right time of the day when they needed to hear it, that's why you were born. Really? Really? Would God make me go through everything just for that? Says the Baal Shem Tov, yes. Just to do a favor for another. When we become so big that doing favors becomes a burden or a shame, I feel like I'm being taken advantage of, and we can't help the other, let's remember that's not greatness at all. It means that we've flown so high, our ego has gone so high, that we've lost touch with what it means to be a human being and what it means to have a soul. Knowing your COVID status doesn't need to be costly or take forever. At Discount Pharmacies, you can reduce the cost and anxiety of waiting for the results with their rapid COVID tests. Book an antigen test, which can determine if a specific virus is current present currently, or an antibody test, which in most cases can determine whether you have had the virus or not in the recent past. Book an appointment at a Discom store near you on 0861-117-427. Discom, Discom, a winning mind in a healthy body. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Yatsen. High FM, your station of choice since 2008. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM, and today is 10 days before Purim, the Chag of Joy. Please, God, next week I'll try to make sure that the show is just a little less heavy, a little lighter in honor of Purim. But for today, here's the message that I really hope we can take Home. You know, we're about to read in 10 days about the great man, Mordechai, a great woman, Esther, and how they, through their incredible vulnerability and courage, they, obviously with God's help, saved the Jewish people from total annihilation. But one lesson we could also learn from them, 
is that despite their greatness, they still focused on the individual. They still cared. Whether it was Esther in the palace, still making sure that as much as she can to keep on the Judaism, to keep Shabbos, to keep her dignity intact in a place that was so undignified, to stand up and save her nation, even if she would have been spared, because nobody knew she was Jewish. She would have been spared, but she puts herself in danger. But asking the king to save the people just because it was never about her. Or Mordechai, who's a student of children, or who's sitting in, at the king's gate trying to help people with their issues as a judge, even saves the king's life by overhearing a plot. Let's remember, after a year of COVID, and after a lifetime of being brainwashed, that success is one-dimensional or two-dimensional. Let's remember what Hashem's success is. And for Hashem, success is a day that you helped another. I remember one time somebody told me, he says, Levi, how do you know you could go to sleep comfortably at night? How do you know it was a good day? If you touch the life of at least one person that day. It's a great, 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 great uh, definition. Some days we might be touching the heart of every, a lot of people, but some days not at all. But any day we don't is not a day. We are here touch lives. So God bless you. God bless us all. Wishing you Chag Purim Sameach a happy Purim, a great week. When Adar comes in, let us be joyous. And I would like to finish off today's show with a beautiful song. It's called Little Kite. And just a reminder to see things from God's perspective. My name is Rabbi Levi Yatsen from Linksfield Show. Have a great day. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. The sky is bright and clear, the wind's blowing strong. Winter has passed, now the sun's shining proud. What a glorious day to send up a kite To dance and to soar high over the clouds Through the traffic and noise I ran to the park An island surrounded with castles of stone With my kite and a spool Of clear plastic line We journeyed together A long way from home Little kite, tell me For I cannot fly Can you see distant oceans And mountains so high but most of all, tell me, for I cannot see, is there God in heaven? Does he know of me?
Riding the wind like an eagle in flight. So far away now, just a speck in the sky. Reaching the heavens, it vanished from sight. Little kite, tell me, for I cannot fly. Can you see distant oceans and mountains so high? But most of all, tell me, for I cannot see. Is there a God in heaven? Does He 